Well, is that the way to start church right there? Come on. I want to say uh, thank you to uh, uh, Jovan and Chet for the great job they did. Uh, two weeks ago, I preached at uh, our West Campus, and um, they're uh, having a campaign to uh, build a new building on Chestnut Ridge. And so you pray, you pray for our West Campus. Uh, they're on a great adventure with God, and we, could, we can adventure with them through prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, when Jesus wanted us to know who he was, he said, I'm gentle, and I have a humble heart. And when you are around me, he said, you'll find rest for your soul. Father, I pray that you would teach us the Christian virtue of gentleness. I pray that the same gentleness that is in Christ Jesus would be in us. And our Christian life could be more persuasive because the gentleness in us could bring rest to the souls of people around us. Grant us this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you read the Gospels, you encounter uh, people with leprosy. I believe I've shared with you before not everything that's called leprosy in the Bible is Hansen's disease. It's any kind of rash or skin infection. The problem is, in Christ's culture, if you had leprosy or a skin rash or a skin infection, you were rejected. Uh, if you were a 14-year-old kid and got a rash, if you were a 10-year-old kid and got a skin infection, your mom and dad would turn you out of the house. If they didn't, the whole village would turn against them. If you were married and you were diagnosed your spouse considered you dead from the day you were diagnosed uh, these poor people lived lonely isolated lives and in the same way that we will take clothes to goodwill or salvation army people would leave clothes out for lepers to pick up. It's the only way they could have any clothes. People would leave food out because uh, lepers couldn't work. There were actually religious people who believed God wanted them to throw stones at lepers whenever they saw them. 
Because you see, they had this false superstitious idea that leprosy was a sign that you were wicked. You would never have gotten leprosy if you weren't wicked in some serious way. So they associated the external problem with an internal problem. And these poor lepers lived miserable lives. I wonder if you can imagine what it would be like not to hear a kind or gentle word for four, five, six, seven years. Not one gentle word. I wonder what your life would be like if you didn't have a gentle touch for years. I can remember uh, being a boy in Sunday school, and uh, I had a Sunday school teacher who at the time I thought was very old. She probably really wasn't that old. But she was a, a beautiful soul. And all these years later, I can still feel what her soft old hand felt like on my face. Uh, that woman is seated at a front seat somewhere in heaven. Uh, the human soul needs a gentle word and a gentle touch in the very same way that the human body needs water. The soul dehydrates without gentleness. And now if you have this image in your mind, you see how radically different Christ was than everybody else around him. He didn't yell at lepers. He didn't condemn lepers. He didn't insult and shame lepers. He spoke to them with the gentle voice of God, something they never heard. And beyond that, when you read about Christ and lepers, he's always reaching out his gentle hand and touching them. You see, Christ knew that their souls needed something as much as their bodies needed something. Yes, their bodies needed healing, but their souls also needed healing. And the healing that their souls needed was human gentleness. And that is exactly what Christ gave them church because our culture has become so secular we are beginning to lose the long-term benefits of having been taught Christian principles politeness and gentleness used to be a respected thing in our culture there was a time when people uh, tried to be polite there was a time when gentleness was looked on with respect. 
but because we became a secular culture and we slow-walked Jesus out of everything, the qualities of character that Jesus taught become rarer and rarer in our culture. And in fact, we actually live in a culture that respects arrogance more than gentleness. We respect rudeness more than kindness. You don't have to take my word for it. Just look at anything. And I believe the church has a golden opportunity to represent Jesus Christ better than we ever have in a broken world. But if we're going to do it, we have to have the beauties and the qualities of Jesus Christ, and one of them is gentleness. If everybody on your Facebook is rude, you should still be gentle. If everyone is in your network is rude, you should still be gentle. Because there is something beautiful and attractive in the gentleness of Jesus Christ. In the word gentleness, we have to um, work to make sure we're thinking the right idea when we think gentle. Gentle is kind of a nebulous word that we don't really define very clearly. And Chet got us started last week with defining uh, gentleness, but I'd like to push it farther. Some of you know that Aristotle wrote a book on ethics. And in his book on ethics, he came up with this idea of the golden mean. Too much of anything is bad, too little of anything is bad, and what is good is that thing that's in the middle. And it turns out the Greek word that's in our Greek New Testament for gentleness shows up in his ethics, and it shows up as one of the golden mean. Aristotle said if you want us to understand gentleness, too much passion is anger. Too little passion is disinterest. And the ethical place to be is gentle right in the middle. This very same word was used in a classical Greek for a horse that had been tamed. A horse that was wild was a wild horse. A horse that had been tamed was called a gentle horse. Um, so the idea of gentleness is a taming of something rude and unruly in my soul. William Barclay was a, a famous Bible scholar, and he wrote this. The Greek word is praus. That's the word we're studying. That means gentle. There is gentleness in the word praus. But behind the gentleness, there is the strength of steel. For the supreme char characteristic of the man who is praus is that he's under perfect self-control. Listen, it's not a spineless gentleness. It's not a sentimental fondness. It's not a passive quietism. 
its strength under control. Now let's think about what is gentleness. Every one of us know there's somebody ugly who lives inside here. And if I'm going to live the Christian life, that ugly guy who lives inside me has to be tamed. As that ugly person gets tamed, we become more gentle. Listen, gentleness isn't weakness. Gentleness can't be weakness because uh, weakness is not able to be a force for good in the world. Weakness doesn't accomplish anything in the world. It takes strength to accomplish things in the world. It takes strength to be a force for good. But that strength cannot be harsh, it can't be rude, it can't be arrogant, and it can't be brutal. It has to have this gentle side to it. How about this? Gentleness is often used for the quiet and friendly composure which does not become embittered or angry at what is unpleasant, whether in people or in fate. Gentleness is a calmness inside of me. It's a friendliness that doesn't respond to the ugliness around me and doesn't become embittered by unpleasant people in unpleasant circumstances. I also find it very interesting that when James talked to us about the wisdom that is from above, listen to what he said. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, and here it is, and gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. The word gentle in this James passage is a different word, but it carries with it the idea of the reasonableness of being gentle. G being gentle is the most reasonable thing you can do, church. Um, I've been married for 50 years. I'm telling you, gentleness is the most reasonable thing you can do. Not being gentle is unreasonable and will not produce the results you want. Church? Um, my wife can't argue me into doing very much stuff. But when she gets gentle, and that gentle voice, I fold. Brothers? Brothers? Uh, you're not going to grouch me into doing it. But there's something that is so powerful and so persuasive about gentleness. There's another aspect of gentleness that's going to be a little more difficult for me to persuade you of. Do you know you can yield and not agree? Do you know you don't have to argue about everything you don't agree about? Right? We do know that, or we don't believe that. If you don't agree, you have to argue to the very last minute. Church, we don't have to argue with everybody about everything. Nobody made us the truth police. 
sometimes gentleness is wise enough to say, I can be happy or I can be right, but I can't be both. So in this, on this occasion, in this issue, I choose to let it go. That is an act of gentleness. If you don't agree with your friends politically, you don't have to argue them into the ground. What, may, what, what, what makes us think we have to do that? Christ did not send us into the world to convince people of our political ideas. He sent us into the world to be representatives of who he is and his great ideas. Church, there is a reasonableness about gentleness that says, this is just not worth fighting about. And I'm not going to make an issue of it. I'm going to let it go. Church, I like that idea. That looks beautiful to me. I was uh, going home yesterday, and uh, I had to make a left-hand turn. And um, so there was a bunch of traffic on the other side. And uh, while I'm waiting, uh, Mario Andretti behind me uh, <laughs> wants me to just cut in front of traffic and starts honking the horn. And I'm thinking to myself, that's rude. <laughs> huh? That's rude. I'm thinking, what's going on inside of him that's got him so lit up that it makes sense to him to honk? And, and I don't mean a beep beep, I mean the train whistle, do you know what I mean? Uh, and because I was thinking about being gentle, uh, <laughs> uh, I only responded with the beautiful thought, I hope you get a flat. <laughs> it's a joke, church. <laughs> We live in a culture that has lost its sense of the beauty, the persuasiveness, and the dignity of gentleness. But that's exactly what Christ calls us to. And I believe if we're going to be gentle, we're going to have to learn to speak in a different way. Proverbs 15:1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Do you hear that? A soft answer, a gentle answer, calms things down. But a harsh answer makes things worse. Could we try to think clearly about a gentle vocabulary? 
a vocabulary of gentleness, what would it sound like? Well, first of all, we've already learned it would be tame. The part of ourselves that is wild and rude and arrogant, it has to be tamed. And as we tame that inner self, it changes the very way we speak to people. Church, if my inner self isn't tamed, then I'm going to be spitting out rude things. I'm going to be spitting out uh, insults and innuendos. I'm going to be spitting out things that are obnoxious. As my inner self gets tamed, there is a replacing of that vocabulary with something that is much more gentle, encouraging, polite. I'm not even sure we use the word polite in modern English anymore. The second characteristic of this, uh, of this uh, uh, vocabulary of gentleness is it's self-controlled. You don't have to say everything you want to say. Anybody? Uh, I shouldn't say everything I want to say. I'm telling you that right now. There's got to be some filters in there. In, in the vocabulary of gentleness, we start understanding that self-control is a beautiful thing, and I shouldn't say everything I want to say. Just because it pops into my little pea brain doesn't mean I have to say it. Can you hear me, church? I can think of many times my life would have been easier and more joyful and more pleasant if I would have simply not said something I felt I needed to say. Church, the vocabulary of gentleness is self-controlled. The vocabulary of gentleness sounds friendly. It's remarkable the way we are created. Uh, they've actually done surveys. Uh, People recognize the sound of a friendly voice compared to the sound of an unfriendly voice. It's hardwired into us. We, we are hardwired to recognize, ooh, that doesn't sound very friendly to me. And what is, what is it unique, um, friends can recognize it in each other. Friends can actually... Your friend can say something to you that if somebody doesn't know they're your friend, they, they, they might think, why are they talking to you like that, right? Huh? Okay, we're even hardwired to recognize friendly sarcasm. Our mind subconsciously says friendly and unfriendly. And because that's true, the vocabulary of gentleness has to sound friendly. There has to be something warm and accepting in it. The vocabulary of gentleness is reasonable. Remember I said gentleness is one of the most reasonable things you can do. The vocabulary of gentleness is reasonable. It means it's open for uh, 
discussion. In the vocabulary of reasonableness, I mean, in the vocabulary of gentleness, we're not always in sales mode. I have to sell this idea. I have to persuade them of this. I have to, I have to, uh, 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 I have to get this point across. We're, we are in sales mode way too often. But when gentleness starts having an influence in our heart, we become more reasonable and we can say, I don't have to persuade them of anything. I can say this is how I feel and they can say this is how I feel. And I don't have to persuade them. Um, this is especially true when we're talking to people about our faith. We can't beat people up with our religion, church. It doesn't accomplish anything. When you're arguing them down and they'll agree with you on anything just to get away from you, we're not, we're not following Christ's example. Church, I'm not having a religious argument with anybody. It's not the way Christ changes hearts. And finally, uh, the vocabulary of gentleness is moderate. It's able to moderate. Uh, uh, sometimes I've seen people who are just genius at this. There can be tension in a conversation, and, and uh, uh, these, the, the people who have this, this capacity, they say things, and they say them in the kind of way that you can just feel the room go, do you know those kind of people? They're wonderful. May God increase them in the world. They have an internal gentleness, and they're able to speak in a moderating way, and it, it lowers the pressure and the tension with everybody. Church, isn't there something attractive to you about the vocabulary of gentleness? It appeals to me. I find I want more of that in my life. And then the proverb said, harsh words are just the opposite. The vocabulary of harshness is rude. I've known people who prided themselves in being rude. Have you known people like that? They, they're rude to everybody, and they kind of pride themselves in being uh, the obnoxious one. We'll go for it. I, the vocabulary of harshness is bad-tempered. The vocabulary of harshness always has an implied insult. The vocabulary of harshness is marginalizing. That's where people, try, people talk to you in the kind of way that you, they let you know very clearly you are of no importance to them. And the vocabulary of harshness is just arrogant. Now, we live in a world that is more and more dominated by the vocabulary of harshness. But Christ said, no matter what's happening in the culture around you, you can be incredible people. You can follow Christ's example. 
you can, you can develop the soul quality of gentleness. You can, vocab, you can develop the vocabulary of gentleness, and your life will make all the difference in the world. And it turns out that Jesus himself left us this beautiful example of uh, the soft word, the gentle speech. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 20, we find out that the chief priests and the scribes were so angry with Jesus Christ, they wanted to get him arrested. In fact, they had meetings where they plotted how can we get Christ arrested? And at one of their meetings, they came up with an idea. We're going to ask Jesus a question in public, and if he answers it, we've got him. We'll be able to, we'll be able to arrest him and discredit him in any way he answers. And then they hid their plot. And they sent some people to Jesus, and these people acted like they liked Jesus, and they were interested in what he was doing. They were purely hypocritical. And they said to him, we believe that you teach the truth. We, we, we believe that you, are, you, you show... You don't show partiality. You treat people fairly. We, we wonder, is it authorized, is it, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar? See, the Romans taxed the Israelites and then used that money to rule them. And it bothered a lot of people. So that they have it in their head, if Jesus says... No, don't pay taxes. Now they can go to the Roman and Romans and say, this guy is stirring up rebellion against the Roman rule and telling people not to pay their taxes. If Jesus says, yes, pay your taxes, then all the people are going to be offended because they think it's wrong. And they, they're sure they have Jesus. Okay, the very idea of that's annoying to me. Anyone else? The, 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 that religious people would think that way is annoying to me. And Jesus looked at them and he saw right through what they were doing. They thought they were so smart and so sneaky that, uh, that they had Jesus. Uh, Sometimes I see myself in the story and I can hear myself saying, you're a bunch of idiots. You don't think I know what you're doing? Anybody? No? Maybe I better sit down. <laughs> but Jesus is gentle. And he says, could I see a denarius? Does anybody have a denarius? It was, the, it was the most popular Roman cone. Remember I told you it was the average worker's day's pay? And somebody reached in their pocket and pulled out a denarius. And Jesus held it up and he said, whose face is this? And the crowd said, Caesar's. 
And he said, whose inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. I can also hear myself saying, oh, smart class. <laughs> Some sarcastic thing. But what, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, then doesn't it make sense to you to give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's? There's not anything harsh about what he said. It's moderate. It's reasonable. It was said in a uh, friendly tone. But if you read the account, these people who thought they had it all figured out these people who uh, were sure they had Jesus, these people who had evil intentions, it silenced them. They just didn't know what to say. It wasn't just the wisdom that silenced them. It was the gentle nature of Christ with which he spoke that also silenced him. I think in this account from the life of Christ, we can learn some important lessons about gentleness. One, Christ displayed gentleness when people in authority plotted to harm him. You see, sometimes gentleness is most important when we're dealing with people who don't like us. Gentleness is important at home. Always be gentle at home. But gentleness is, always, is also very important when you're in a situation in life where people don't like you and they're making it known they don't like you. Because often when we know people don't like us and they're making that obvious, we have a tendency to treat them the way they're treating us. Right? If somebody is being mean, arrogant, and insulting, nobody feels like being gentle. We feel just the opposite. We feel like if we're gentle, it'll somehow or another be saying uh, uh, that they're right and uh, uh, they... All right. I'm telling you, Jesus models something differently. Listen to what he does. He says, I know your heart is in an ugly place. And I know you're thinking bad thoughts. But it doesn't change who I am at all. I still am a gentle soul. I am still going to speak the vocabulary of gentleness. I'm still going to live out who I am in the world. Do you see this? Christ models for us this great idea. Even when people are being unpleasant to us, not, not even. Uh, it is more important when people are being unpleasant to us that we answer with a gentle vocabulary. It proves we are the followers of Jesus Christ. Church, our, our, our Lord taught us when we are insulted, we don't insult in return. Uh, when, when we are treated poorly, we don't treat people poorly in return. We don't, render, we don't return bad for bad, but we overcome evil with good. And it is in very important, the next time you find yourself in a situation where people are obviously don't like you and are not treating you right, 
that you remember this is a golden moment for the life of Christ to shine through me. The second lesson. Jesus spoke gently to people when they knew, when he knew that they were being hypocritical. Um, hypocrisy can trigger the wrong things in us. Um, when we get that feeling like somebody's just not, I got red flags. I don't know what's going on here, but it's not what it looks like, right? Uh, uh, I feel like I'm being scammed somehow or another. When they were running their scam, it didn't keep Christ from being gentle. Do you understand this? When you feel like somebody is, is uh, being hypocritical with you, maybe that's the time to be moderate and say, this is just not worth fighting about. If that's, if that's the way they want to be, then they can be that way. I'm not going to sacrifice my well-being and my sense of gentleness because they're being like that. Can you hear me? Uh, nobody likes trick questions. Church? Nobody likes trick questions. Nobody likes somebody to ask you a question because they're setting you up. Church? When we feel like somebody's setting us up, it can draw the wrong things out of us. And it can be a golden moment for us to remember that when they were trying to set Christ up, he found a way to overcome with the vocabulary of gentleness. Uh, the next lesson, Christ's gentle answer made his wisdom more persuasive. I've known very, very, very intelligent people. I mean very intelligent people. The trouble is, they knew they were very intelligent people, and they treated everybody around them like uh, we're all in third grade and uh, their PhDs in astrophysics. Do you know what I mean? Uh, they have this, they have this, they are smart, God bless them, but their wisdom is lost in their arrogance. Church, that isn't the way it is with Christ. Christ was as peaceful as he was brilliant. He was an absolute genius, but he spoke the vocabulary of gentleness, and it made everything he said more persuasive. Parents, could I speak to you for a minute? When you feel most like being harsh with your children, that's probably when you need to be the most gentle. I raised five kids. My biggest regret in raising kids was there were times when I could have been much more persuasive if I'd have been more gentle. Uh, there were times when I was angry and I should have been gentle. 
There were times when I was harsh and I should have been gentle. It would have persuaded them much more. Can you hear me, church? Parents, uh, you will win more by gentleness. I'm not saying your kids don't need to be corrected. They do. But there's a difference between correcting children with a gentle heart and correcting children with a harsh spirit. Can you hear me? And I believe, I believe, if you could find the strength in Jesus Christ to be gentle when you feel like being harsh, you would be much more persuasive with your kids. Church. But I want to speak to everybody in the family now. It's true for everybody in the family. You will win, you will persuade your family more with gentleness than you will with harshness. The next lesson. Jesus' gentle answer solved the problem. They were silenced. And, they, and, and the chief priest and the Pharisees, uh, they didn't ever ask Jesus a public question like that again. His gentleness overwhelmed them. They had no response for it. The problem became very, very different for them after that because now they're not looking to take Jesus in public. They're looking to do it secretly. It changed their whole agenda because his gentleness not only silenced them, but the crowd felt the majesty of it. And would you let me say, the very same Christ who spoke gently to those people that day, he has a gentle word for you today. I'm telling you, the heart of Jesus Christ is gentle. When he described himself in the Gospels, he said, learn of me, I am gentle and humble. When Jesus said, I want you to know who I am, he said he was gentle. Christ has a gentle heart for you today. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done wrong. I don't know what bad memories you have. I don't, want, I don't know what regrets haunt you. But I know this. The very same Jesus Christ who had a gentle word for the lepers has a gentle word for your soul if it's covered with the leprosy of sin or not. He has a gentle word for you. He has a gentle heart for you. Some of you are uh, keeping an arm's distance from Christ. Uh, you're worried about uh, uh, who you are, and you worry that you don't measure up, and, and, and uh, uh, you, it's hard to believe that Christ could really be uh, that gentle. I'm telling you, he has a gentle word for you today. I know that life teaches us if you, disappoint some, if you disappoint people too often, they're going to reach a point where they don't put up with you anymore. If you disappoint people too often, there's a human brokenness, and we begin to cancel people. I'm telling you, I don't care how many times you've disappointed Jesus Christ. His where sin abound, grace did much more abound. He has a gentle word for you today. He has a gentle word, and this is what it is. 
Come to me, all you who labor and are worn out, and I will give you rest. Church, Jesus Christ is not the harsh one you think he is. He doesn't speak the vocabulary of harshness. He is a gentle soul, and he speaks the vocabulary of gentleness. And he has something gentle to say to every heart in this room and every heart online this morning. And so I remind you last week, Chet said, the gentleness of God makes me great. Would you begin to let the gentle speech of Christ make you a great soul? Our dear Heavenly Father, how amazing Christ is. How unique he is. How incredibly uh, attractive I find him. And so I pray for myself. And I pray for everyone who's here this morning. I pray for those who are watching online. I pray that your gentleness would make us great. I pray that we would become gentle and we would learn the vocabulary of gentleness and there would be something beautiful and persuasive about our lives because we followed the gentleness of Jesus Christ.